right, if we can start making our ways back to our seats, please. Definitely grateful to have all of you guys here today, especially for our first-time guests. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, we try to make this a family environment. We're so grateful to have all of you here this morning. My name is John Miller. Uh, my wife, Suzette, and I are the Life Group Directors here at Grace Point Church. I get the pleasure of speaking with you guys this morning. Amen. So as I told the first service, every time I get up here, I love to always honor my leadership, uh, Pastor Rich and Pastor Donna. Of course, he's not here again. Um, wasn't here at the first service either, but he'll, he'll come in. So um, I, I just love Pastor Rich and Pastor Don. I love their heart. I love the opportunities that they give all of us to be able to uh, grow our gifts and everything. And so um, we're, we're definitely going to be in for a treat this morning, I believe. And so if you want to follow us live, we have notes on, on the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, if you go in there, um, yeah, it has all the instructions right there. Dashboard, more, click events, and then you'll see an, uh, a spot that says Grace Point Church. Click that, and all of the notes for today's message will actually be there. Amen? So uh, I want to start out with the scripture, Matthew 6, It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your grace and your love and your mercy. And we ask that you be with us, Father God, as we go through and study your word, Father God. Give us grace, Father God. Give us peace. Give us understanding. And so we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Pastor Rich has been in a series the last three weeks called The Blessed Life. How many of you guys have been here for those weeks? Did that bless anybody? Amen. I know it's truly blessed me. So the first week he talked about it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Giving is about the heart. It's a heart issue. The second week, some of us, even our college students and maybe even some of our students that are in school now, probably ask this question as they sit in class like, uh, what test? You know, you mean you're giving me a test yet? What, what, what test? And he really talked about how we're tested and things. Then last week he talked about the principle of first, the principle of giving our first fruits to God and what that means for us in our lives. So today we're going to talk about breaking the spirit of mammon. Breaking the spirit of mammon. Some of your faces say, oh, you know, yes, we're going to expose the devil today. And we're going to get some people broken free from all of his devices and all of his lies that he's been telling a lot of us because reality is this, all of us have been deceived by him sometime or another in our lives. And so we're going to definitely make sure that we uh, expose him for who he really is today. So I want to turn, if you would, turn to a scripture. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, uh, verse 24. You can look at it. It's going to be up on the screen. It says this. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Most of you guys are probably like, John, mammon, what? That looks like a foreign word. What in the world are you talking about? This mammon. I have absolutely no idea. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 9, and we'll see a little bit more about what this mammon is. Uh, starting at verse 9, it says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Well, thanks, God. You're telling me that I'm going to fail. Okay, so, but we're going to talk about that. He who is faithful is what is least, and what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one, 
and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Here it is again. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon. I hope you guys are confused already. <laughs> She's like, Look, I'm the first one to raise my hand. Uh, that's, that's good. Well, let's talk about it. So I have a couple, I have three questions that I want to ask you guys today. And hopefully this will enlighten us and get us a better understanding on exactly what it means to, uh, uh, what mammon is and what it means and how he affects our lives. But the first question that I want to ask is probably a question that all of you probably have right now. What is mammon? What is mammon? A lot of us have probably grown up or maybe even been in churches to where we might have had even preachers for that matter, uh, maybe some of our family members, you know, God bless us. Oh, you can't have that. You know, the Bible says you can't serve God and mammon. And so for a lot of time growing up in my life, I thought that mammon was just evil. I thought mammon meant the devil. You know, I thought mammon meant money. But we're going to learn that's not exactly what mammon is. So Luke 16 verse 9, it says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Before we actually understand and learn what mammon is, we have to understand the different languages that are in the Bible. Okay, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek and classical Aramaic. Paul was one of the big ones on those language things. No, he was scholar in a whole, about five or six different languages. And so he spoke in classical Aramaic a lot. Jesus did as well. Jesus pretty much knew everything there was to know. Every language, because he met everybody. And he spoke to everybody. And he talked to everybody where they could be talked to. Okay? And so what we need to understand is, is this word Aramaic, it goes all the way back to the days of Babylonia, to the Babylonians. Remember in Genesis chapter 11, the Babylonians was trying to build a, a tower so they could get to heaven. Basically what they were saying was, God, I, I don't need you. I think I can get to heaven on my own. But what that actually means is, is, is Babylon, the word Babylon, was, it actually means planted in confusion. Because, you know, when you babble, you just, uh, 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 you just keep going and going and going. And so if you want to, you know, some of you babble on sometimes. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and we can babble so much that it's confusing. And so it's planted in confusion. And so the word mammon was actually taken from a Greek goddess from Babylon that actually means riches. It means riches. So mammon actually means riches. Mammon is not money. Money is not bad. Mammon means riches. And if we, if we want to go a little bit deeper into the word, it means pride or arrogance because Babylon was built on pride and built on arrogance. So, so mammon is not money. Mammon is actually a spirit. Some of y'all look at me like, John, what are you talking about? Mammon is a spirit. Well, we're actually going to talk about that. So mammon, not money, is unrighteous. Mammon's evil. It opposes that which is good. As a matter of fact, in the biblical sense of the word, mammon is the spirit that rests on money when the blessing of God is not on it. So mammon is a spirit that rests on the money when the blessing of God is not on it. So it's either one or two ways. Either your money is cursed by mammon or your money is blessed. By God. Simple as that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, all money either has the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon on it. According to scripture, the only way that we are able to get God's blessing on our money is to return the first 10%, our first fruits back to him. 
I always tell everybody when they say, man, I got to give my, give my tithes. You don't have to give anything because you don't have enough to give anything to God because it belongs to God anyway. So what we do is we return it back to him. And once you return that tenth back to him, he'll bless that 90. And you even need to understand this. Somebody said earlier that even the 90 still belongs to him. You are just required to steward it well. Amen. And so when you do that, you'll see that your money will last. When you submit your money to the spirit of mammon, it tells you things like it can bring you happiness. And it can bring you fulfillment. Mammon wants to rule your life. It wants to make you its servant and cause you to worship it. Mammon will promise you everything there is to offer, but deliver nothing. Mammon will promise you the world. Mammon will say, hey, you just need to get more money to do this. If you had more money, uh, uh, you can go and buy this, and, and then you would have some kind of status with the people. If you just had more money, you'd be able to buy things uh, for your family and stuff, and your marriage and your children and your entire family would be well. Mammon will try to offer you fulfillment of life. It promises you everything there is to offer, but delivers nothing. Have you guys ever dealt with anybody? Maybe you've dealt with some friends or maybe a family member that you go and talk to them about things. Hey, man, I'm going to come through for you. I, I have this. So whenever you need me, just let me know. Just give me a call. And then that time comes and you, or, or you give them a call. They're like, hey, man, I, I know I told, I, I'm sorry, but. But that's the same thing that mammon does to you, does to us, is it promises us everything but delivers nothing. The spirit of mammon actually is a direct enemy of God. Jesus is saying to us that there are competing forces and there are competing masters and your life is going to reflect one or the other. Either you're going to be loyal to mammon and despise God. By the way, did you know that you can despise Jesus? Because the scripture said that you will be loyal to one or you will despise the other. So if I'm loyal to one, that means the other one has to be despised. And you can do that unknowingly. So our life's going to reflect either one. Either I'm going to be loyal to mammon and I'm going to despise God. Or I'm going to be true to God and despise mammon. But you can't have it both ways. And so this is the thing. When we try to serve both of them, when we mix our devotion, we step into a mirage of deception. You guys ever watch TV or maybe you were driving and you're like, man, it sure is hot out here. And you look real far out there and it looks like there's a big old puddle of water on the road. And you're like, man, that's pretty cool. It's not even raining. That's a mirage. That's exactly what that is. It's, I'm not saying that you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or anything like that. But it's not real. It's not there. And that's what happens whenever we try to share our devotion. When we try to say, God, I'm going to be loyal to you, but ma'am, I'm going to be loyal to you too. We step into a whole world of deception. And it's really easy for us to get picked off. We know the enemy's there. But we're just saying, come get me. Because we're not being loyal to God. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 6 and also Luke, 6, Luke 16 that we cannot serve God and we cannot serve mammon. You see, mammon tries its hardest to take the very place of Jesus by offering us security. 
and mammon tries to offer us significance. He tries to offer us identity and independence, power and freedom, because he's saying, look, if you just get more money, but keep in mind, money is not mammon. Money is not evil. But what he'll do is he'll try to make you get more of something that's inherently good and turn it around and make it bad. So what he's saying, look, if you get more money, if you had more money, you would be more significant to people. If you had more money, you would have more status. That's not true. That's an attack and a lie of the enemy. Don't ever believe that. Because a mammon wants to use anything that he possibly can to deceive you. Only Jesus can give you security and significance and identity and independence and power and freedom. It only comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Mammon tells us that it can shield us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. Money is not the answer to life's problems. Jesus is. Period. There has been many of people, including myself, that has tried to run to other things to make my life better, to make things in my life work. To make my marriage work like it should have. To make me feel more significant. To give me status. To give me a platform. And it was all done in the wrong vein. Because money and things are not the answer to your problems. Jesus Christ and only Jesus alone is the answer to all of our life's problem. Mammon is an imposter. He's a stowaway. You guys know what stowaways are. Somebody just jumped ship, not even supposed to be here, and all of a sudden you're like, yo, what you doing here? He's a stowaway. Mammon's fake. He's a counterfeit. See, check this out. Most people under the influence of the spirit of mammon tend to have the most fear about their money and their possessions. Let me say that one more time. Most people under the influence of the spirit of mammon tend to have the most fear about their money and their possessions. I just can't let it go. You know, this is my baby. You know, my car is dirty. I'm going to go and wash it again, although I just washed it two hours ago. I don't need to go to church. I need to make sure I take care of my car. I got a little bit of money. I know I need to go and help somebody. I know that I need to give it to God, or excuse me, I know I need to return it to God because he's telling me to, but I'm 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 not I'm I'm not gonna do it. I I don't have enough. I'll wait till next time. We are being deceived by the spirit of mammon. As a matter of fact, case in point, you remember in Mark six verses thirty and forty four through forty four, whenever Jesus was on the mountain, and it said that he fed the five thousand people uh, uh, besides. Men and, uh, excuse me, besides women and children. So a lot of theologians actually say that there was probably closer to about twenty or 30,000 people there because at that time they only counted men. They didn't count the women and the children. So it was a lot more people there than what... So you have to understand the Bible is a lot deeper than what we read about on the surface. Okay, and so what it said is, is so Jesus is there and he's teaching the multitude of people. And as he's teaching... He probably gets this idea like, you know what? I've had them here for a very long time. They're probably hungry. They probably want some food. You know, uh, had them here teaching them about life and, 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 and what my father requires of all of us. And so now I want to feed them. 
And so Jesus goes to the disciples. He says, yo, he says, hey, look, um, I had them here for a while. I want to make sure that their bellies are full because I just gave them a lot of food, spiritual food. But I also want to take care of their physical bodies as well. And so the disciples tell him, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Jesus says, well, 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 what do we have? Well, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, Chick-fil-A is closed right now. You know, there's no red lobster around. So I I don't know what we're going to do. What do we have? Look, Jesus, this little boy has five loaves of bread and two fish. But there's no way that we're going to be able to feed all these spirit of mammon. Did you you guys see how how that jumped in there? We just have a little. And so I'm not going to do, I'm not going to give to you. I don't want to because I just have a little bit. So Jesus said, you know what? Bring it to me. And Jesus being Jesus because he's God. But he was also human. And so as God's side came up and says, you know what? I need to take care of them. And so they brought him the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And he held it up. The Bible says that he blessed it. He blessed the five loaves of bread and two fish. I'm about to mess y'all up right now. And when he brought it down, he had what? Five loaves of bread and two fish. And when he gave to the disciples, he says, now you go and give to them. What is he given? What did he bless? He blessed the five loaves of bread and the two fish. So you're trying to tell me that Jesus used five loaves of bread and two fish. So, John, what you're trying to tell me is if I just have a little... If I give it to God, God will bless a multitude of people and make it last. Man, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. God don't need a lot. He just needs you to be obedient. That's all he wants you to do is just be obedient. Because check this out. There's people out there who need your blessing. They need you. And if we want to be real, some places, the only way that we're going to be able to reach them is if we sow into the kingdom of God financially. Because then we can give out and other people can go. Man, John, all this talking about money. You see, we can be under mammon's control and never even know it. And that's scary. How can we be under his control, though? See, mammon has two family members that if I could, I would love to punch him in the face. I would. He has a little brother, pride. He has a little cousin, poverty. You see, this is what pride tells me. Pride tells me, no, no, this is all mine. This is all mine. If I wouldn't ask you, man, how much did those pair of shoes cost, man? Those are banging. You would tell me, oh, man, these things cost like $250. And guess what? I have three other pair at home. That's what pride, pride will make you try to give yourself status. Will make you feel important. First of all, I didn't ask you about your other three pair. I just want to know about what I did ask you. But then you have the poverty side of it. Poverty side of it, well, hey, man, I like those shoes. Man, where'd you get them from? Uh, how much those cost? Oh, man, I, you know, I got these on sale. They were like $20, but then there was a 50% clearance and then another 10%. You, you, you try to dumb it down. That, that's what we do. And so, so I, hate his, I hate his family members, man, pride and, and, and poverty. But, but, but look, this is also a question you probably have. But hey, look, well, money is the root of all evil, right? Oh, man, man, man. We got some Bible scholars in here. And so that brings me to my next question. Is money evil? 
Well, look, let's check and see what 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says. It says this. It says, for the, it says, for the, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Now, when you look at this word love, in the Greek, this word means to lust for or to chase after. And so what it says, it says, for the chasing after of money, for the lusting after of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Nowhere in that verse did it say money is a root of all kinds of evil. It never said that. But what it says is the action that you put towards that is what makes it evil. Man, come on, man. It's the action that you put towards the money is what makes it evil. You see, it's described as a deep desire and commitment to possess money over and against loyalty and love for God. I'm putting this above Jesus. Matter of fact, the love of anything over God is a root of all evil. Greed, selfishness, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, all comes from loving and serving a false God instead of the true God, which makes that thing you're worshiping your God. Anything that you put above the one true God, you're making that your God. Y'all all right? I told you guys, look, we're going to expose this enemy for who he is. And he don't like that. And it's uncomfortable for some of us because some of us didn't even realize that we were on his team until now. And you're like, ooh, I, I didn't know that. But that's okay. That's why we're here. And this is why we do this because all of us sometime in our life has been deceived by this enemy. See, check this out. Matthew 6 and 33 says, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Money is meant to be good. Mammon, which is the opposite of God, wants you to believe it's good, but in a bad way. So this is how I know that money is not bad. It's not evil. Matthew 6, 33 says that if I just seek God and his righteousness, if I seek him first, everything else will be added to me. And so he's not saying that I don't want you to have stuff. He's just saying that I don't want the stuff to have you. That's all he's saying. Money is not even, as a matter of fact, money is inherently good. It's meant for good and not for evil. See, check this out. Mammon is selfish. God is generous. Mammon says to buy and sell. God says to sow and reap. Mammon says to cheat and steal. God says to give and to receive. This is why we cannot serve God and mammon because there's two forces opposing against each other. Either you're going to love the one and hate the other. You're either going to be loyal to one and despise the other, but you can't have it both ways. See, check this out. Luke 69 says, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, riches, not money. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Man, this scripture is weird. So basically what you're telling me is that I need to make money or I need to make money so that I can make friends. 
No, that, that's, that, that's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying. But if you look into the scripture, that's what it looks like it's saying. But John, we need to look at this word fail. Fail. The word fail. Fail in the Greek, in its original language, actually means to die or to expire. To die or, 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 or to expire. As a matter of fact, this is the same type of language that was used in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 9, when it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. That word curse, you see, but in Galatians, in Galatians 3 and 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So th- that doesn't make any sense. Christ has redeemed us from the curse, but you're telling me that I can still be cursed. Well, that word cursed also means the same thing that fail means. It means to expire or to die, to expire or to die. See, what's been said here is that a tenth of your earning, which God gives you as the fruit of your labor, needs to be returned to him. So what happens if you don't return the tithe or your first 10% to him? The rest will expire before your next period of compensation because it's not protected. So it's like this. It's like this. I like cereal, right? So my favorite type of cereal are those waffle crisp. I get mad. I'm serious. When I have it in my, in, in, in my cupboard, I get mad. My kids go in there and try to eat my waffle crisp. You know, it's... I didn't buy these for you. You got three other brands right there. I just want the one. That's it. J- just the one. And so, but I realized, man, I got these waffle crisps, and I'm really craving to eat some of these right now. But, man, I don't have any milk. That's the, that's the worst thing to have. You want some cereal. It ain't no milk. Come on, man. And so what I do is I go to the store and get me some milk, right? And I look at the milk, and what I do is I take the milk out of the refrigerator because the refrigerator protects the milk from going bad, right? It protects the milk from failing to do its job. It protects the milk from dying. It protects the milk from expiring because it's in somewhere which it's supposed to be in to be protected. So I got the milk, and I go and pay for it, and I bring it home, and I set it on my counter, right? And I just leave it right there, and I go and do something else, and I'm still hungry. Man, I wanted some cereal, but I'm just hungry. I want to go eat something, so I'll go make me a nice little turkey and cheese sandwich with a little bit of mayonnaise on the bread with a couple of chips, and I eat that. And so I forget that the milk is still there. A couple days later, because I don't go in the kitchen too much, because that's not my area. My wife usually kicks me out anyway. So uh, a couple days later, I realize, oh, my gosh, man. I wanted those waffle crisps, and I left the cereal on the counter. I forgot, or, or the milk on the counter. I forgot to put it away. And I go to it, and I look at it, and I open it up, and I was like, oh, my gosh. This stuff stinks. So it expired. It failed. It died. Why? Because I did not put it back into the thing in which it was supposed to be protected in. The same thing happens with our money. When we don't give God the 10% of our earnings, the 10% of our earnings, what happens is that other 90 now is no longer protected. And so because it's no longer protected, more than likely it's probably going to expire before your next period of compensation. And so 
a lot of you are probably like, oh my God, that's me. And no, we're not here to call anybody out. We're not here to call anybody out. It's, it's not my job to do that. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict you. And so that's what happens, man, God, so be it. And so we have to definitely make sure that we are obeying what the word of God says. Look, if I want that 90% protected because it still belongs to him anyway. So if I want that protected, then I have to do what he says and just return a tenth back to him. But see what a lot of you, what a lot of you like, you know, John, if, 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 if I, what's up, Aaron? A lot of you are like, if I had more money, I would sow into the kingdom of God. That's my buddy, guys. Sorry. Sorry. I will be able to sow into the kingdom of God. But, but check this out. God's telling you that, look, I can't even trust you with the little that you have now. Why would you expect me to give you more? Because the more you have, the harder it is because you got to give more. So if you have a right heart with the little that you have now, he'll trust you with more because it's easy to obey what the word of God says. But why would he give us more if he can't trust us? with the little that we have now. Romans 11 and 16 tells us this. It says, For if the, first fruit of, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. When we give God the first 10%, he does to it the same thing that he did to the two fish and the five loaves. He blesses it, he distributes it, and he makes it last. Let me tell you, the good thing about that is whenever they were, they were finished eating, Jesus told the disciples what? He said, now go pick up what's left over. Because they had leftovers. Why? Because he blessed it. Because what we had, we gave to him, and he blessed that. And he'll do the exact same thing for you. Man, if you start trusting God with your giving, if you start trusting God with your 10%, if you say, God, I'm going to trust you regardless, I, it hurts sometimes. But, but, but I'm not storing up a treasure here. I'm storing up a treasure there. And so I'm going to trust you with every fiber of my being. I guarantee you when he starts putting the money in your account, you won't even realize it because the money you had last month is still there. I promise you that. I guarantee. Now, I'm not saying that I'm walking that right now because trust me, I'm not balling. So I don't want y'all thinking that I, that I am. But I know what it means to sow into the kingdom of God and be fruitful. I definitely know what that means. I mean, you can ask almost anybody. My wife and I, we're givers. Pastor Rich is giving. This church is a giving church. And we've been blessed tremendously by that. All of us. And so, look, we're just trying to get you to do exactly what Dave Ramsey said. We're trying to get you to live like nobody else so you can live like nobody else. That's what we're trying to get you to do. We're trying to get you to bless your whole, your whole house to be blessed. And your dog. We want your children to be blessed. We want your children's children to be blessed. We want every step that you take to be blessed. We want you to be so blessed that when you walk and somebody just comes into the wind that you left, they're just like, oh, Jesus, something is there because you're that blessed. That's what we're trying to get you to do. And I believe that that can happen. As a matter of fact, check this out. You guys remember the story of, 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 of the children of Israel whenever they were in, in captivity um, by Pharaoh in Egypt, right? And so God tells Moses, he says, you know what? You're going to be my mouthpiece. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And finally, after I don't know how many times he went back, they finally let him go. 
right? They finally let him go. And so as they're walking in the wilderness for, 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 for how long? How long were they walking in the wilderness? 40 for 40 years. And did you guys ever hear them saying that, oh, man, my shoes broke down? We didn't have any clothes to wear. We didn't have any food to eat. Was that ever in the Bible? It was never, but it said that God provided for them. So this will check this out. This, oh man, we're about to have some church right now. And so this is what this is what I love about it. Check this out. So you have the Israelites, and some of the some of the Israelites were babies. And so they walked 40 years around the wilderness, and nothing broke down. Everything lasted. And I'm here to tell you today that if all of us would just trust Jesus, would just believe that he would do exactly what he said would do, things in our lives will last. I'm here to tell you. So, you know, some of you are probably worried about your tires on your car right now. Well, if you trust Jesus and give him your first, he'll make that last because you don't have the money to get new tires anyway. (laughs) Some of us have ran on fumes before, right? Man, I don't got no money to get no more gas. Lord, you got you to make this happen. Lord, you know I'm faithful to you because we got to remind them of things sometimes. Look at all the uh, look, look at people back there with their hands right there. That's me. That's, that, that's me. That's me. Look, look, look. And so this is what happens, right? And so most of us run on fumes, but we have to remind God exactly what he said. God, look, I'm, I'm faithful to you. I, I give my first fruits, even though I don't really have that much. I st- God, I only made $2 today, but I gave you 20, I gave you 20 cents. And so I have no money to put gas in my car. And therefore, I need you to make these fumes last. And I guarantee you, something will come about. God will put it in people's minds. And look, I need to go and bless them because they need something. It's not about you. It's about you being faithful and about you being obedient and allowing God to do what God needs. You're not God. We are not God. Listen, we, we can't do what God does. God is God, and he don't need your help to be God. He just needs you to be obedient to him. So if you're running on fumes, let me tell you what, if, you, if you're faithful to God, just keep on driving. Keep it moving. Just what Dory said to Nemo, just keep swimming. Just keep, I know it's hard with that little fin, don't got a lot. But just keep going. Don't stop. Believe God, and I guarantee you that he'll make everything that you need to last. And so my last question that I have, and some of you probably have the same question. What should I do with my money? What should I do with my money? Let's look at Luke 16 and 10. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in in what is least is unjust also, and much, I can stop right there. What am I supposed to do with my money? That tells me that I need to be a good steward. I need to be a good steward. Even with your 90%, you need to be a good steward. Well, look, I paid my 10%, so the 90 I can do whatever I want to do. Well, no, no, not necessarily. God still owns that. And we're still called to be a blessing. So you really have to be careful on what you do with that. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And here's the key. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is not money. Money is good. Mammon is a spirit. We have to honor God with the first and steward the rest. Verse 10 says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Simply put, God will not give us more until he can find us stewarding the small things well. He will never set you up for failure. Rather, he gives you small things first before he opens his windows of heaven to pour out you a blessing in which you will not have room enough to receive. A lot of us say, God, Lord, I really either need you to come through for me or I need more money. And the very minute that he comes through for you by giving you more money because you need it, we say, okay, God, I don't need you anymore. The mammon took care of me. If you've been there before, I have. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I've been there. And so the problem with that is we have not always been good stewards of what doesn't belong to us as stated in verse 12. We only have two choices, either bring our first fruit into God's house or steal it. Man, I don't like it when the church talks about money. But it's okay if the world talks about everything else. And they're not talking about helping people, serving God, being a blessing to the world, to the nations. They're talking about getting so their pockets can be fat. We're talking about getting so we can give. We only have two choices. Either bring your tithe into God's house or be a thief. Verse 11 says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? True riches. John, what is God talking about? True riches. The true riches are people. They're souls. God is the only one that I know that can take money and turn them into souls. The only one. Nobody else can do that. Because nobody else is God. Every one of us, if we are believers, should be leading and stewarding people. We should be mentoring people and helping and leading a life group. And volunteering. We should be serving. And we should be doing something with people. But some can't be trusted with God's most precious asset, people. Because we can't be trusted with the little that he's given us now. And if we're not trusted with the little that he gives us, why would God trust you with the thing that he values the most? God, but I just, John, I, I just, I just, I, I just want to lead people. I just want to preach. I just, I just want to, I just, I just want to be a life group leader so I can lead people. Are you a tither? No, well, I'm sorry, you can't lead people because you're not about to curse anybody who you're trying to lead. Because that's what happens. The Bible says if we don't give our 10% to God, our, there's, there's a cursing on your money. And you're not about to transfer that over to God's most precious asset because you want to be disobedient, especially not under my watch. And so we have to understand how important 
that says, but John, you just don't understand my situation. You know what? You are right. I don't understand your situation. And I don't understand what you're going through right now. But I know a God who understands everything about you. As a matter of fact, he is your creator. He knew you before you were even born. As a matter of fact, he formed you in the womb. He knows the name of every hair on your head. I may not know what you're going through right now or what your situation is. But God does. And I guarantee that if you would just be faithful to him. See, God only says this one time in the Bible. He says, try me. Test me. And if you have not been faithful up to this far, I want you to test God and see if he comes through for you. Because he can't lie. And he won't lie. But one thing that I want to tell you is that if you sow in money, you can't always expect to receive money back. God blesses you in so many ways that a lot of us don't even see. God wants your barns to be filled with plenty. And he wants your vats to overflow. This is in Proverbs 3 and 10. God wants to bless you, your finances, your family, your family's finances, your finances, finances, and your finances, finances, finances. He wants to bless all of that. And all he asks in return is you just return 10% of what he's given you already. And so a lot of emotions are probably going on right now with you because this enemy has been exposed. And guess what? Because he's been exposed, he's going to come even harder. And so you need to know what your Bible says. I always tell people, although I get up here sometimes and, and, and I give you a word, don't take me for my word. Take God for his word. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. And only his word is going to remain. And so you need to go and you need to study yourself. And so I want to ask all of you to stand up right now as I end this message. And I just want to pray a blessing over each and every one of you who's been faithful to God right now. And as you ones that are not faithful yet but are becoming faithful because you've heard the word.